You're listening to the Great Groups Podcast. Today, again, we're talking with John Butterfield about Bible study basics. Join us and hear some tips about how your study of God's Word can be more effective. You're listening to the Great Groups Podcast. Our goal is to equip small group leaders at Brook Hills and beyond to make disciples through effective group ministry. You'll hear from Jay Gordon, who has more than 30 years of experience in leading church small group ministries. And he'll be joined by Chris Amaro, one of the small group leaders for the Church of Brook Hills. And often, you'll also enjoy interviews with other small group leaders. So, enjoy the commute, and thanks for listening to the Great Groups Podcast. Okay, here we are again this week with John Butterfield, and we kind of left in the middle of a, of a cliffhanger we left you there with. And so we were talking about exegesis and, and about some about five questions you might ask. And so, John, if you'll walk us through five questions there to help us understand that. Yeah, so this is what Jen lays out in her book, Women of the Word, and I think it's a helpful way to approach it. So she's got five Ps, and uh, we can connect those questions to these Ps. And so um, what is the purpose of Bible study. Why do we want to study the Scripture? And so that leans into the big story. The meta narrative is the big word. What's the purpose? Oh, what what is my purpose in studying Scripture? What do I need? What do I want? Those kinds of things. Um, and then perspective. So what is the perspective? Um, and the perspective of the original writer, the original reader or hearer. We need to determine uh, what that was for them so we can have a better understanding of what that uh, writing, that book meant, so we can understand what it means today. Secondly, we need to understand that we need to be patient. Why do we need to be patient? And sometimes uh, uh, the way I like to think about it is when we do Bible study, we study and then we're patient so we can simmer on it a little bit, and then we go back, and we study a little bit more, and then we simmer a little bit more. I think good Bible study requires simmer time. So uh, we can talk more about that in a little bit. Uh, what is the process? I think there's a process that uh, we follow that has to do with uh, grammar and history and context and things like that that help us to to determine the meaning of it, what the words on the printed page say. And then prayer. Um, why do we need prayer? Why should we pray? Well, I think prayer is a really important part of overall Bible study because, again, this is not reading dead words off of a dead page from a dead time in history. Um, these words are meant to change our lives in a Godward direction. So uh, prayer is really important as we pray uh, to the living God and hear from the living God as we do Bible study. So. Hmm. Yeah, as you went through that and mentioned the word grammar, I remember when I was in high school, we, uh, our pastor used the New American Standard, and sometimes the sentences are like three miles long <laughs> in, in the New American Standard. And I remember as I was studying, it would help me, you know, in all of those phrases to identify the noun and then the verb. And then I went, oh, no, I'm actually diagramming this sentence. How I hate English. <laughs> now I hate doing that. But, you know, it's it's really helpful to uh, dig into the root meaning there. And, um, man, it sounds like a lot of work. And sometimes it, it is work to understand it God's is. Word. I'm trying to think about hating English. 
I should start speaking another language immediately. <laughs> yes. I'm, I don't know what that means. <laughs> I but, hate yeah. the English class that I had to <laughs> yeah, attend. Yeah, that's, that's it might have had something to do with the teacher. I, no, yeah, know. I think it usually yeah. does. <laughs> Hopefully she's not listening right now. <laughs> yeah. well, we got to understand what the word says and the, and the uh, yeah, um, grammar's a part of it. Yeah. I guess one scary thought, um, you know, particularly as I think of men, I've, I've heard recently that um, – Men just are not readers. Um, I mean, for either one of you guys, like, how, how do we encourage people that aren't readers uh, to really value God's Word and spend time in it? I know that's kind of an off-the-wall question, maybe. Any thoughts on that? Well, I think the reality is we're all readers. Hmm. We wouldn't be able to function in our society if we weren't readers. I think um, part of it is we're not ever taught well, some of us maybe not. We're not taught how to read and specifically how to read the Scripture. Um, the Scripture is not always an easy book just to pick up off the shelf and start reading. And so somebody approaches the Scripture cold and just opens it up without knowing you know, what they're reading, this, the setting, how to understand it. It can be a pretty daunting thing, and I can see how somebody would be put off pretty easily. Mm-hmm. you know. And so that's what we were talking about, cherry-picking Scriptures and, and just studying the one part of the Bible that I uh, can grasp easily. That's why that happens. And so that's, that's in some ways that's not, that's not their fault. That's my fault you know, as a church leader and a teacher. So I think we can get better at that and and, and recognize that some parts of the Scripture are just difficult, mm-hmm. you know. So anyway. What would we, how would we encourage, say, a new believer? What would you say to a new believer that's, you know, not even developed a habit of Scripture reading or anything? What What would you say to him? Like if you're doing some discipleship, you're talking to him about the importance of God's Word, what, what would you say? Um. Start slow, just a little bit at a time, and talk about it with somebody. Mm. I think those three things, mm-hmm. you know, I I think, man, you, you uh, a brand new believer who's not developed that discipline and doesn't understand it, you throw down the read the Bible three times in a year plan, go after it. That's a fail. I mean, mm-hmm. hiding, my goodness. Yeah. Uh, particularly to your point, if they're not reading anything else. Mm. Um. I think, you know, again, if you could read the Scripture and walk away from the Scripture with one thing um, a day or one thing a week and you're growing in Christ, um, then I think we're making progress. And I think also we've got to make sure our measurements are the right measurements to make. So uh, we don't need to necessarily measure sheer quantity. Right. You know, our it's up to us as leaders, as small group leaders, as technically disciplers to determine am I helping a person grow in Christ? That's the goal. Mm-hmm. And scripture is a really important part of that mm-hmm. overall goal. So Yeah. How would you advise advise that new believer um where to start and how to how to attack that? I mean um any certain book or I, I wouldn't throw it I mean if it's me, I'm not throwing a new believer out there on their own. I would say, you know, I've done a little bit of this before, but it's like, let's read John together Mm. and let's take this week and just do chapter one. Mm. Maybe not say just. Yeah. Yeah. You know, (laughs) let's do chapter one together this week. Just read it. Mm -hmm. Go over it a few times and uh, then we'll talk about it next week. 
or whatever the period of time is. Sure. There's plenty in John 1 mm-hmm. to, to, to engage. That, I mean, there's a lot there. So I think understanding that that's enough, and then the next week we'll do chapter two. You know, it's I relate a lot to golf because that's in my world these days. You know, you have a golf lesson. Your golf coach is not going to correct five things in one lesson. Right. Yeah. They're going to try to teach you one thing. If you can do the one thing, let's go back and do the next thing. A lot of sports are that way. A lot of disciplines. Anyway. All right. Different topic. Um, I was looking through John's notes yesterday and and something really jumped out at me. And it was a a reference to Carolina Crown, which is a drum and bugle corps. And John and I are both uh, former band geeks or maybe currently. And and so I went, whoa, let me look at that. And so... um, what, 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 John, what instrument did you play? I played trombone. Okay. Trombone. All right. Yeah, and I could do a lot of lower brass and things, but trombone was my instrument. All right, cool. And I was a drummer. Uh, sometimes they called us dummers, but anyway. <laughs> I feel totally left out. <laughs> totally left out. Yep. What did you do in high school and college, Chris? Uh, let's move on. Let's move on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's great. Soccer. Well, tell us about the Carolina Crown comment. What was that illustrated? Yeah, I just, I love to watch that clip. It's just called Drop the Hammer. And it's the brass section of Carolina Crown, which is Drum and Bugle Corps. And it's their warm-up routine. And part of what they do is, you know, they warm up slow and easy. But there's, there, you know, when you warm up brass, there's a point in your warm-up routine where you're just going to belt it. I mean, you're just going to let it fly. So um, they put a hammer in a circle, in the middle of a circle. And every brass player has a unique part in this part of the exercise that creates perfect dissonance. And so they they play that dissonance at a high enough volume to actually move the hammer. Wow. wow. And you can see the hammer moving. And and you have to have perfect tuning to have perfect dissonance. It all has to work the right way. So they're doing the the technique absolutely correctly. And then they resolve the chord and it's just your hair like blows back. It's like, <laughs> this is crazy. <laughs> But the point of the illustration is that sometimes when we're doing Bible study, we'll study a, a certain section or book or whatever, and it seems not to quote-unquote make sense with something else that we studied in the Scripture. And our tendency is to fix it fast. Hmm. And then we want to bring our own sense of reason or our own quick fixes to the table, or is the, the proper approach is to let the Scripture stand and let the Scripture speak and allow the scripture enough time to work in us and to help us understand the meaning behind it. Hmm. So it's important we let the scripture speak for itself um, and uh, be patient in our Bible study. Again, part of what our culture tells us to do is uh, we want everything right now, even fine dining. We, we expect to go to a fine dining restaurant and be out of there in half an hour. Mm-hmm. That's not how that works. Hmm. Same with Scripture. We've got to give it time. It's got to have the simmer time. We've got to do the, uh, the techniques. We've got to understand how to study the Scripture and then let the Scripture stand on its own. So, What's really cool is when you've been doing it long enough that you see how this relates to that and that relates to something else, and 
you can go back and study something else. It's once you start seeing the connections, it's it's really cool for sure. Oh, I got to be honest. I've probably driven my wife crazy by doing that. Like I'll be, I'll, we'll read something together, and I'll be like, "Wait a minute, wait, 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 wait," and she's like, "Will you slow down and stop?" Yeah, so it, does, it is very exciting, though. Yeah. Um, so okay, so what's the end goal of Bible study? Just a broad question there. That's kind of a loaded question because mm-hmm. that's that's a good American question. <laughs> it's gonna, a little I'm, selfish. I'm isn't gonna it? get this thing done. <laughs> that's right. And I'm gonna move on. Right? Check the box, right? <laughs> so I'm not sure. I would say the end goal. Um, you know, you'd have to look in in Revelation for that. <laughs> um, I would say the continuing goal, and the continuing goal is that we grow in Christ together. So, mm-hmm. uh, and that's where I would link together the three. Um, um, imperatives are the three mandates of the New Testament. Love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself mm-hmm. and make disciples of all nations. Mm-hmm. So if I were to restate that relationally, I would say um, love those not yet in the kingdom. So, um, and, and we've got a version of that here at Brook Hills um, and uh, um, some other things that we put with it. But whatever the three categories or eight categories may be, am I growing as a believer? Am I am I taking steps? And so, so the question is framed up: What's the end goal? How do I achieve a ten in my spiritual life? Mm. How do I ten a, 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 a reach a ten in my Christian life? And the the reality is, we're not going to get there. But we need to look at the whole scale, one through ten. And so, I've if if I'm following Christ, I need to evaluate myself on any of these number of things and say, if I'm at a four, my goal is to get to a four and a half, I'm going to take a step Mm. and I'm going to take a step with other people at my side, other believers at my side. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So the end goal is the, the continuing goal is, um, to read the scripture in an informed way to understand more about God, understand more about my faith. So it can inform my faith as I'm obedient to him as my Lord and savior. Mm. That's solid. So, yeah. Mm. One interesting thing I'm, listening to a book on tape, a book on audio, uh, now Bonhoeffer by Eric Metaxas. And I was shocked if I heard heard correctly in listening to that, it sounds like he had his PhD in theology before he came to Christ. And so for some, it can, you know, theology can be a real academic thing, but we've got to move from knowledge. It doesn't just stay there. It moves from knowledge to our understanding and applying it, and it's about our relationship with God, and it's it, so it's it's interesting. I had the question, you know, after after listening to that, why would you, why would somebody study theology who didn't have a relationship with Christ? You know, it, mm. I, I real I really can't wrap my brain around that, and that's not really a question or a statement, but it's just um, it's just interesting. It's um, the Bible has so much to do with our relationship with Christ, our personal relationship mm-hmm. with Him, and not just an academic study that we undertake. Um, you'd mentioned the Jen Wilkins book and based some of your, um, uh, your, some of your course on that. Are there any other helpful resources you would recommend for small group leaders or for people who just wanting to study God's word more effectively? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, there are, there are a lot of different resources out there. I, you know, one of the books I go to a good bit is how to read the Bible for all it's worth by fee and Stewart. Uh, that's been a, a good standard book for a long, long time. Um, but also just well-informed um, Bible study materials that you can find in any number of places. And that's where, you know, we, we lean on people around us who 
um, are, are students of the word and uh, love to study and uh, are uh, locked in arms, you know, arm in arm with us to help us understand the scripture. So, I, you know, I don't know if I have the definitive book list for right. sure, but there are definite how-to books. There are good theology books. There are good commentaries, those kinds of things. And they'll have the right place, mm-hmm. you know. Again, I think we, the most one of the most important things is is to have a good selection of Bible translations. You know, we all have our one or two go to translations, but we need to be able to understand the word in which it the way it's written. So, do I have a Bible that I can understand and read? That's a that's a good start right there, mm-hmm. um, and then we we go from there. So, yeah, yeah. cool. Um, Let's talk process a little bit. Some other big words uh, you used: orthodoxy, orthopraxy, and action points. I might have let the cat out of the bag a little bit earlier, but uh, <laughs> is there anything else you would add to explain those words and yeah, how they fit those in? Are, those are more of those nickel words, and it's kind of on purpose. So orthodoxy, that's correct belief. Um, orthopraxy is a kind of a broad application piece, so it's why why the truth matters. So if orthodoxy is a one word, that's a big T truth. That's the big concrete foundational truth. Orthopraxy talks about why it matters for us. And the action point is how do I respond to it? Hmm. So um, there are different ways to frame that up. But here in Alabama, the way we remember that is the what, so what, now what? So if I'm teaching a lesson, I want to make sure that I lean into all three of those things. And I think where we tend to have some weakness is in the last of the three. You know, we we need to make sure we do the what, the big T truth. We need to talk about why it matters. And then we need to talk about the action point. So when I say action point, a lot of times the way we hear that. It's a little bit of Christianese on our part. We say application. We want to make application, which is an interesting two-word phrase by itself anyway. Um, I don't completely understand how you make application <laughs> anyway. Um, but what it's talking about is change. So we, what we ask ourselves on that third point is, how do I change in response? Because if I'm not changing, I'm not becoming more Christ-like mm-hmm. because I'm not Jesus and I'm not Christ-like to mm-hmm. start with. Right. Mm-hmm. So how do I respond to the word to be more faithful to who he's calling me to be? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Often our leaders will hear me use the word challenge. Uh, and I encourage them to, to do some type challenge at the end of each small group meeting. And there are times that, you know, I've, I've studied and there might be one central point and, and I might challenge them. Sometimes I might give them a couple of options based on how far along they are in their walk with Christ. And, uh, this morning in my small group, for instance, um, we were in a section of Romans that had a number of different possible application points, and I just paused and said, okay, guys, based on what we've studied today, what's your next step in becoming more like Christ? And uh, we'd, we'd actually talked about being conformed to the image of Christ, and so some of the folks in group just shared, well, here's here's one of the things I, I think is my next step. And so I just want to encourage our leaders to help people move to those action points. Um, and it, uh, you know, sometimes a group is going to have some similar action points, but sometimes it's going to be a very individual thing because we're dealing with different things in our life. And so I just want to encourage you, let's help people take God's word and figure out their next step of obedience in that so that we can be more like Christ. So 
All right, so I have a question. <clears throat> this is sort of a challenge to, to John and to you, Jay, as well. I've got my my Bible in front of me, Scripture. Let's say I'm, I'm in John, okay? And um, I've got uh, a Matthew Henry commentary. I've got a, a CCE, you know, a Christ-centered exposition. Um, a new, new abbreviation there, CCE. Okay, I yeah. got that. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I've got all these tools. Like I've got the, the Word, and I've got these tools right here. And I'm coming across a Word, and I want to find out what is the Greek translation? What is the Latin translation? What are these? Where do I go for that? You know, because this morning, uh, Pastor Matt gave a great example of, uh, you know, the word uh, Calvary, where it came from. Um, and Golgotha was the name of the actual mountain, uh, which means skull rock. And then there was a Latin translation, which turns to, well, I can't remember what the word was, but it ended up being Calvary. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> as a small group leader, like, where do you even go for short of Googling. <laughs> well, there's, sometimes Google's helpful, yeah. you know, that's, that's not, boy, can I get in a lot of trouble yes, here? I was wondering. Watch this. Watch this. Go ahead. No. I think sometimes Google's more helpful than Matthew Henry. Oh. Because I read Matthew Henry and I can't understand a lot of what Matthew Henry says. Right. I mean, so, so, uh, to, to, to play out what I'm saying, you know, there's a little bit of tongue in cheek going on there, but Matthew Henry wrote what he wrote a long time ago in another country. Sure. Yeah. So there's a lot, you know. I, gosh, to digress, you know, he talks about the law, the uh, the uh, Good Samaritan, uh, and, and uh, not the Good Samaritan, the widow's mite, and he he talks about the mite being worth less than a farthing. <laughs> I've never had a Everybody farthing. Everybody knows that. What is a farthing? I have no idea what a farthing is. That like a near the ling yeah, Maybe it was Henry. Some, anyway, the point is, is that I think there are some some tools. If we want to know, you know what a word means, I think we start with an English dictionary. Okay. Webster's is not a bad place to start. Yeah. Uh, you know, I tell people I keep the, the Webster's app on my screen just about all the time when I'm doing a Bible study. So that's number one. Number two is, for words like that, a Bible dictionary is really helpful. Mm. So you need to buy an online version of a good Bible dictionary or go down to a a bookstore or a used bookstore, and you can find those things. They're pretty easy to find. Uh, Very similar to that is a Bible handbook, which is similar to like a little encyclopedia, but it's done book by book. So if you're in John and Calvary, you find the book of John in your Bible handbook, and a lot of those things are laid out for you in a chapter-by-chapter kind of fashion. So there are some pretty easy ways to get at those things. Yeah, and the reason I ask that question is we should never shy away from those words and not— Yeah, that's right. There's a reason why that word is written the way it's written. Yep. Yeah, that's exactly right. In English, because they're going to be English words that we just flat don't understand. Mm -hmm. Like, that's a big word. Well, look it up. (laughs) <laughs> let's just look it up right you know um where it, i'm i'm going through proverbs with my son right now we we do bible reading and devotion during uh, uh our morning commute every morning school drop off so it's our little seal off environment where we can do this so we're going through proverbs and it's it's pretty surprising even in an easier to understand translation how many english words are in proverbs that we don't use a lot Mm. But we look those up on the fly using what? Yeah. Google. There you go. <laughs> there's the definition. And it's like, oh, I, now I understand what that means. Interesting. So don't overlook the easy tools. Yeah. You know, let's talk <clears throat> organization and approach and steps. Um, you know, since we're on words, I, I see in the notes there are six steps to, to a word study. 
would you rather jump into that or think bigger picture or steps and approach maybe? Yeah, I, I think what? that's a, a, you definitely can get into the, the word study and the six steps, but I think context is important. I think sometimes we overlook the importance of context uh, in, in, in Bible study. So, um, a lot, you know, some of these questions that we get, just weird questions about, I don't understand this, or why is this here, or whatever, um, that all that has to do with context. And so there are basically, I think, five levels of context that I would typically look at. That would be verse, uh, chapter, um, um, somewhere in there is paragraph or pericope. So it could, that could be shorter than a paragraph or longer than a paragraph and book. Uh, does this make sense within the book of that you're reading? And then the Bible. And then if you want to go, there, there's one in the middle there, Testament and then Bible. Right. Mm-hmm. So if you use those layers of context, a lot of times it helps us understand it pretty quickly. Well, we're getting pretty close to the end. John, is there anything uh, big picture that else that we might want to cover before we end today's podcast? Now, I think, you know, there there are some good tools, good resources out there for all of us to use. If you haven't picked up a copy of Women in the Word, um, pick up a copy of it and read it. It's super accessible, very helpful. Um, How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth by Fee and Stewart. Those are also helpful. Um, and then, you know, on top of that, just, just learning about the Bible. I think if we can learn a little bit more about the Bible, it's helpful. Um, knowing what kind of genres are in the Bible. There's poetry, there's wisdom literature, there's narrative, there's history, there's gospel, there's letter. Just understanding some of those basic things will help us to have handles to know how to read and interpret Scripture better. Um, and then, you know, Brook Hills, I think um, Don is uh, working with some ladies and women's ministry to offer women of the word this next um semester and we're always going to have this kind of thing in rotation at Brook Hills and so um, there are definitely resources here for all of us to uh, become better students of the Bible. Okay. Do you know when there will be another opportunity to do this specific focus study? I think, you know, women with the word would be this study for ladies. Okay. And then probably, you know, I'm leaning toward fall of uh, 22, but okay. Um just keep your eyes and ears open. We're going to put it out there again. Okay. Cool. Well, this has been very insightful. John, thanks for being with us today. We appreciate your time. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been fun. Good. Y'all have a good week. Thanks. Well, that's all for this episode of The Great Groups Podcast. Please do subscribe on your favorite podcast app so that you won't miss the next episode. Also, visit us online at greatgroups.org and leave a comment there. We would love to hear from you. Thanks again for listening today. We'll be back next time with a conversation that inspires you to make disciples. And that's the point of great groups, make disciples.